Hey everybody, it's Jim Mallard here. Welcome to the Mallard Report. The Mallard Report is recorded in front of a live virtual audience on the Duck Pond. Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, live. Mallard.com, M-A-L-L-I-A-R-D.com. One more thing before we start. Let me turn it over to my friend that you may know from Ancient Aliens and the Curse of Oak Island and many other things, Robert Clotworthy. On the Malliard Report, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the hosts and guests, and not necessarily of Evergreen Podcasts, KillerPodcast.com, sponsor or affiliate, or any other individual or group. On the Malliard Report, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the show are solely those of the hosts and guests, and not necessarily of Evergreen Podcasts, KillerPodcast.com, sponsor or affiliate, or any other individual or group. Good evening, everybody. I hope your day is going well. Or evening, or... Ah, there I go again. I'm slipping time again. For all the good stuff. Um, don't forget, three strangers in very different locations find themselves pulled into a small town in the middle of Ohio. A force reeling them in, like a needle drawn north on a compass. Powerless to stray away from their impending convergence, they must take their battle between good and evil. But what happens if evil wears the face of good? Blood of Life is the macabre tale of what Freedom, Love, and To Be Human. The must-read novel by former guest Daniel Belts. Go back and check out that podcast. He gives us great stuff. Is out now. And for our guest tonight, here we go. Mary Matthews loves animals. I've been helping them since she was 16. I bet I bet it's younger than that, but we'll, we'll dive into that. She founded the DFT Rat Rescue in 2018 and has helped find... I'm going to say many because we just talked about this. Over 1,500 rats' homes. She also runs a family farm with lots of animals. I, I'd even try to list those because I would be here for the hour and we'd just be done. Uh, also likes to garden and teaches kids in school, too. Mary, do you sleep? I always ask guests that when I read a bio and it just makes me go, what? No, I do not. <laughs> well, how are you doing? <laughs> also a vampire. Yeah. I've also got... Uh, Ford, how do you say your last name? Sorry, I didn't. I scribbled it and I can't even read it. Why is Wisner? Wisner. Wisner. I'm, Wisner. I, see, I should have went with my my, my gut there. Uh, the, the couple behind us all. So, go ahead. Give 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 each other. I mean, I just I just told him a little bit about Mary, but Ford, go ahead and tell us a little bit about you because I didn't spout off about you. So I am Mary's uh, wonderful fiance. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, but. We've been together um, just north of uh, three years, <clears throat> and um, you know I just kind of try to help her out with the rat rescue any way I can. And a minor correction before we go any further: it's DFW Rat Rescue. What did I, what did um, I say? Uh, I, I think you said DFT or something, but definitely oh, DFW. Dallas Fort Worth. Dallas Fort Worth. <laughs> I, I, you know, I I stumbled over that because I was just going to say it, and then I left the abbreviation. Well, and it makes sense because. Fort DFT, Dallas Fort Worth. I don't know. You're close enough. <laughs> well, it will matter when the website comes up here at some point. So just stay tuned for right. for the correct initials, not for me. Um, yeah. So Mary. Um, so so oh. yeah, we just, you, like you said, we have this little farm together, and we just have a blast with all these well, animals. And um, let's talk about this little farm. Give give me the rundown of what you got because I'm like I said, I didn't try to read it because we'd be here, but I'll let you tell us. So we have like um, 20, 23 pigs or something like that, um, around 12 or 15 like heritage breed turkeys, uh, like 50 plus chickens, a couple of really funny donkeys, um, like 18 cats that run around outside. No, a ton, there's like a ton of barn cats. And we got some quail and some bunnies and, you know, just kind of like a whole, a little bit of everything, like the whole Noah's Ark. So your neighbors must love you. Bunch of dogs. No, we live out in the country. We've got like <laughs> seven acres and our closest neighbor is, you know, like how far away? Like quarter mile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's good because that's quite a collection. So that's a, that's a handful right there. So how do you even manage the, Keep your head straight with all that stuff going on. Well, we both work full-time jobs. Go ahead. Um, well, I grew up with every kind of pet that you can think of, basically. 
Um, but my mom always told me no rats. So I had horses, chickens, rabbits, everything growing up. So I'm pretty used to, you know, having a house full of pets. Um, one of the main reasons why I wanted to move out to the country was that I could have a building specifically for the rat rescue. Uh, you know, it's pretty neat, uh, I guess, audience to have like a brick and mortar building. So we've got a big shed on the property where when we finished it out, it's all insulated and heated and cooled. And that's where all the rats live. So the farm is awesome, but I'm just really glad to have a place for the rescue where it has kind of its own building. It's funny up in my chat room pop, popped up people who don't like animals. I say, don't trust them, but we'll save that for a little bit, a little <laughs> bit later, but there is some truth to that. Uh, so let's, let's dig back <laughs> through the history of the rat rescue. Cause that's for my paranormal people out there, stay with us. I've got a point to make about all this, but I'm not going to make it yet. Just going to stay tuned because it's good. Okay. So take me back. You started the rat rescue in 2018, but I'm sure it was bubbling in 16 and 17. So what me, I mean, besides your parents saying no, what made you got interested in rats? Cause you, I mean, obviously have an interest in animals altogether. Yeah. So I've done animal rescue for a really long time. As soon as I turned 16 and I was old enough to volunteer at the SPCA, I would go there after school almost every day and walk the dogs and um, play with the puppies and things like that. Um, and then when I, I had rats in college um, on and off. And if you've ever owned rats before, you know, they only live two or three years and you get super attached to them. So there was a point where um, my, I, had a rat that died. So I had one left and I told myself I need a break. I can't take the, the loss anymore. Um, and then when I was ready to have rats again, after that, I've found that there were tons of people trying to rehome them like on Craigslist, but there weren't any really good breeders around. And, um, it was kind of like an underground sort of, Thing. Like no shelters are equipped to take rats in. You can get them at the pet store, but usually those are from the big, uh, like chain feeder uh, places where they they will breed tons and tons of rats for snake food. So they're not really healthy. They're not way I don't have to, you know, get too attached to them and then watch them die. I can sort of you know hang on to them for a little bit, help find a good home for them, and then just within the first weekend of doing that, I had seven surrenders and it just exploded after that. That's incredible. I, it, you need to dive into this a little bit more for me because you're talking about the people who breed them for, well, for food, for, for snakes and other. Uh -huh. So, but there's a whole other community of people that keep them for pets. And it sounds like we're at a very delicate crossroads right here. Where, um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there are, I'd say, three three sects of rat ownership. There are actually rat shows in California and there are rat breeders who are very strict with their genetics and um, kind of like dog breeders will really have like best in show quality rats. And then there are people like me who, you know, I never really met a rat that I didn't like. I think they're all great. Um, and then there are those who their only interaction with rats is really just to feed them to other animals. And I think all three of them are very important for the rat community. I mean, I, I guess I, I should say that for, because rats are also used. I just had someone contact me today, say I bought a rat, a baby rat for my snake. The snake wouldn't eat it. Now I have a rat that I don't know what to do with. So those would come to me or someone would go to a fancy breeder and get these really fancy rats. And then they ended up being super aggressive or sick or something. And so those would come to me and I've had um, like universities where they did an experiment with a bunch of rats and now it's either euthanize them all or rehome them. And so those rats would come to me. So I kind of get to deal with that every part of it. Um, and I don't have any ill will towards people feeding their rats to snakes. I know everything's got to eat. We used to have a ball python who was awesome and, you know, would eat baby rats, not the rescue rats, obviously, but other rats. <laughs> so, you know, I get it. And I get that they all have their place and, you know, rats are very useful in a lot of different areas. So, uh, yeah. Cause I, I think they're, hey, they're very smart. Which, yes, I, I mean, I, I think smart. we've all seen them running the maze or 
all this other stuff, but they're also, I, I, maybe you can also social, like they can communicate with you with just their little eyes and their little body language and all this yes. other stuff. So help me out here yes, because I'm not good at, expl- yeah, I'm not good at explaining this. I just have noticed this through the course of the last couple of years while we've had them here. They have little personalities. They're a good, like uh, I've got some friends that have rats because, well, now they've got rats just because they love rats, but they first got rats because they couldn't have dogs or cats in their, in the place they were living. And so like rats are, you know, basically this, you know, most people don't realize this, but kind of like the same thing. It just in terms of like, they can have their own little personalities and be their own little people, you know? And they like to be with you growing up. I had Guinea pigs and mice and gerbils and hamsters and rabbits even, and they were fine and they were fun, but they didn't want to be held. They'd run away from you or, you know, squirm around, but rats will really try to get out of their cage and hang out with you. And I think that makes them really, you know, really great pets. I have to point out, uh, Sarah in the chat room asked, at the same time I was thinking this, do any of them cook like uh, Remy from Latatouille? And I'm sitting here, I'm thinking that, and then it popped up in front of me, and I'm like, oh, God, that's weird. It's it's actually (laughs) hard to get them to stop cooking. Like, (laughs) most of them, yeah. I would settle, I'd settle for Claudia for Chance Meatballs right now. Just for (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there you go. (laughs) No, but it is, it is interesting how they all take on a, a personality within a community, too. Which is, I'm sure you see that, which has to be weird as you, as you're fostering them because they get integrated in and then taken back out. Well, I always keep them. So if they come in in like a bonded pair or a trio or even, you know, four or five rats that come in together, I keep them together because I know rats are super social and they will bond with each other. And if you separate them, if one dies or anything like that, they can get you know, noticeably depressed. So I always keep those together no matter what. And I have probably 15 cages set up right now. So they'll be separated from me from there's not like a big group of rats. They each have their own little apartment um, so that they can stay together. Cause a lot of the rats that I do get in, you know, they've been someone's pet for, you know, a long time and, it just would be wrong to, you know, separate them from the community. Like you're saying, they, they get to know each other and they become friends. You also mentioned, I think it was on your website. I seen this, that rats are best social though. They're multiples. You don't want just one. Yeah. Yeah. If you have one rat by, I mean, and growing up, I don't know how I should say this. We're learning new things all the time about rat care. And I have heard anecdotal stories from tons of people where they only had one rat and it was totally fine and it wasn't depressed. And, you know, that's so I I don't want to say anything bad about, you know, if you just have one rat out there, you're not doing it wrong. Um, But they are very social and they are usually very nocturnal. So another reason to have another rat around is that when the rat is awake, they have someone to play with and then they'll snuggle, they'll groom each other. Um, and I've seen that rats that are by themselves will be more likely to get sick or they'll get depressed or they'll get you know lethargic. So uh, there've been a few really interesting studies about how empathetic they are and how social they are. They'll seek other rats and, and build like a hierarchy and a, you know, little colony. So I definitely recommend having more than one. Do you think they could, because you, you, okay, I'm picturing this community with little apartments. I know it's, it's probably not as I visualize it, but we're just going to go off it because it's fun for me right now. Do you think they communicate and amongst themselves, even though they are separated? Like, do they spell the tea to somebody um, else? They pass little messages. It's like, it's like a prison movie, you know? <laughs> Um, now they, you know, they have little squeaks and stuff, like probably. I think the cages that are close enough together, they interact more because a lot of it is, uh, you know, smell and like body language. Like I can tell if I put two rats together in like a little puppy playpen, um, and watch them for a minute, you can tell really quickly what they're thinking and, you know, if they're feeling aggressive or curious or, um, uninterested 
because they are so expressive with their body language. So let's talk about your process for rehoming them because I, I, I appreciate this immensely because like I said, I've got a bunch and my wife keeps me up to date on what's going on in the, around us with different, um, different groups and different things they're doing. But she, uh, she was this lady running a group like yours, um, posted that she got a bunch. I'm not going to give the number because that way I'm not throwing her under the bus because, well, anyways, uh, she probably does great work, but, uh, she got a bunch and then wanted to charge a, a, I'll say it, massive rehoming fee. We're talking hundreds of dollars for a rat plus, wow. uh, yeah, plus a contract of varying, you know, uh-huh. I'm like, I don't think our whole setup was worth as much as the amount she wanted for the one, the one, like we said, they're social. So you'd need to get more than one from the same group. So talk Mm -hmm. to me about your process and through this, because it's, it's a little different. Yeah. So I'm, I, like I said, I've been doing dog rescue for a long time. I've worked with really, really poor city shelters and also very uh, posh rescue groups. And so I've seen the uh, free adoption all the way to the hundreds and hundreds of dollars adoption for basically the same dog. Um, My mentality is, you know, there's a fine line between, I don't want to give them away for free because that's, you know, unfortunately there are not nice people out there who will say, oh, you know, free food for my snake. I'll just, you know, grab some rats from the rescue. So my adoption fee is... $30 for one rat or $15 if you adopt more than one. So if you get two rats, it's the same price as one. And I do that because the majority of my rescue income comes from donations, whether it's like cage donations that I can turn around and sell or people that donate directly either to my vet fund or supplies and our Amazon wish list and stuff like that. So I think that I would much, much rather have my adopters spend their money on a bigger cage or more enrichment or better food than I would on you know, paying for the actual rat. And because they are considered exotic pets, uh, vet fees are pretty expensive for rats. I put on my adoption application, make sure that you know that uh, a rat can cost as much as a dog or cat if you want to get it spayed or neutered or take it in you know, to the vet, the, the fee for the actual rat is, should be very small because the rest of the expenses that you are going to, you know, deal with as a rat owner are going to be pretty high. And that's if you can find a, a vet that'll even talk right. about it. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Not to dig too far into your business, but you mentioned all the, these costs and stuff that go into it. That's quite a commitment for you to put out and put together. Let's talk about that's that's the for the paranormal people listening. That's where I wanted to go with you because a lot of people in the paranormal talk about doing this, that, or the other. I'm not going to slam any of those people tonight. We'll come back to that at a certain other point, but that's not why we're here tonight. We're here to talk about rats and the process of all this. But researching and raising the money um, and keeping it all together. Talk to me more about how that all started and how that continues to go because well you got to feed these things every day so like let me just give you the outside perspective a little bit because like mary is one of the most insanely organized people i've ever met so well she has to be to keep you and all these animals in line yeah no kidding especially me um (laughs) but so in like yeah and just to quickly answer your original question about that when when you have like some systems down in place basically it's we spend 40 minutes or like maybe an hour at most if something's like you know we need to go catch a pig or something's gone wrong pretty much every day um once you get like the routines down taking care of this kind of thing is uh like i said she's the most insanely organized person i met so um, she's got like extremely professional level like spreadsheets that reference her other spreadsheets with like charts and graphs <laughs> and like the budgets and stuff are you know meticulous. Um, 
So that's how I started. But, but, <laughs> I started but, with a spreadsheet, honestly. But, yeah. but let's, let's bring us back to the bigger, broader point here. You can have all the spreadsheets in the world, but you still have to have people willing to donate, and you still have to keep track of it and all that other well, stuff. So that's great, too. Um, like she was talking about cage donations. Uh, typically, when people come and surrender rats, I mean, not typically, but a, a large majority of the time, it's because they can't have rats anymore. If they could still have their rats, they wouldn't be surrendering them. So they also are fine usually just donating their cage and their, you know, all of the stuff it came with. So a lot of times when we're then adopting out rats, it's like, well, here's like the cages we have available. And this, it was a free donation for us. So that's just like, we can sell them a cage at a great discount. And, you know, we just have pure profit there. And I think, too, like, when I was starting out, I was really um, strict with myself. I didn't have a ton of extra income, so it was sort of like I, I want to make sure I'm within my means, but I fully understand that I'm probably going to be paying out of pocket for a while. Um, I was very overwhelmed at the generosity of the rat community, at least in the DFW area, um, I'll post a Facebook fundraiser. Like we got, what was it like 75 rats? Like we had an emergency last, surrender last July. Yeah. Of like 75 rats at once. And I grew from Louisiana. Yeah. And I was like, uh, you know, I, I said yes before I had the money to make sure that I could take care of it. And I posted a fundraiser on Facebook and, you know, raised a lot of money to, take care of these guys. I had people reaching out, wanting to adopt. I had fosters who were ready to step up, people who said that they had cages that they would loan me, all kinds of stuff. So I think my, I, I'm kind of balanced and I make sure that I've, you know, I've got my spreadsheet set up. I've got my game plan. I've got my business plan, but also you've got to take risks and you got to just kind of jump in and, you know, hope for the best. There've been plenty of times where I've been in the red financially or over my head, or we've had rats, rat cages piled up in the house because the shed was so full. And um, recently I haven't been able to take in many surrenders because I have so many sick or aggressive rats that I need to work with or treat before they can be adopted. So then the surrender money isn't coming in. The adoption money isn't coming in, but the vet fees and the food bills and the bedding and all of that stuff is still going. So you kind of have to balance, you know, the highs and the lows. And since I've been doing this for, you know, five plus years, yeah, I, I, I'm not so stressed out about it anymore. In the beginning, I mean, I can absolutely see being worried about starting something like this, not knowing how you're going to maintain it or how you're going to even, you know, stay afloat. But with the ebb and flow of at least with rescue work, you know, it's, it's worked out in the long run for me at least. And I think that's, I remember early on you telling me about how, when you were first starting, uh, there were people that kind of like reached out to you that were sort of in the process of closing down their rescues and telling you, ah, you're going to burn out. All you'll do is spend all your time and money on this and everything. And like you were just saying, there's time when it's overwhelming, but like, Overall, you just realize that you're we're a small operation doing what we can do for these people and for these rats. And, you know, like like you said, there'll be ups and downs, maybe the no surrenders, no adoptions for a while. But then in the on season, it's like it's like a revolving door. You know, we can't keep them in the can't keep them in. the Yeah. Shed. And social media is super important, too. Um when I am not able to take rats in, I do post them on Facebook. I'll post them on my website. I'll reach out to anyone who has reached out to me looking for rats. So even if I can't personally take them in, I can at least help help them find a home. So, you know, if you, if anybody else is wanting to start something like this, I'd say start there, just be a, a satellite foster network or just put people in touch with other people because there's, Tons of people out there who want rats and lots who need to rehome them. That's the thing, too, I think that you don't talk about enough sometimes is that the rescue is a lot more than just like a shed full of rats because you talk to a lot of people and answer a lot of questions. And like you were saying, you connect people to fosters and, you know, you're, you're always helping people even if they're not coming by the house. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just saying you're thinking. I was going to ask that. I mean, because you said you've got your, we'll say an hour where you put 
boots on the ground, taking care of your animals, right? I think that's what you said earlier. Yeah. But how how much other time? Yeah, that le- leaks out into Facebook, websites, emails, calls. <laughs> oh, it's never ending. <laughs> so yeah, and I mean, so it's never ending. But you know, we're we're also both the kind of people where we just kind of sit and can you know she's uh, answering an email here or there on her phone or like it's a Facebook message, you know. So just sort of like here and there. It's just kind of part of my routine now. And there are definitely times where I let my emails pile up or I don't get back to people. And, you know, I have no problem reaching out to my, you know, my audience and saying, hey, you know, I'm I'm just one person and I've got real life stuff going on. And, you know, it may be a while before I get back to you. And like I said, the rat community has just been awesome because they're understanding and they have no problem either stepping up to help or, you know, giving me some, some time because I've tried to get, I've tried to get more fosters. I've tried to get more volunteers, but I mean, I don't know if it's just the nature of rescue, but it's more work effort and time for me to coordinate all of that than it is to just handle it myself. So until I get bigger, it's, it's a lot on me, but I think I'm pretty good at making sure I'm not, you know, drowning in rescue work all the time. Sounds like maybe that's the first person you need to have volunteer for as a coordinator so they can take care of all those details. Yeah. Yep. Okay. If anyone's interested, let me know. (laughs) (laughs) There, I just solved all your problems right there. Oh, no. Uh, Excellent. (laughs) Sounds like you're volunteering. (laughs) Yeah, I'm right on that, right after all my other stuff. Uh, (laughs) If I could do it remote. Okay. Okay. Give me the website and the Facebook and, you know, all that good stuff. The website. Did I say website? I don't know. You know what I mean. Where can people find you? <laughs> it's uh, dfwratrescue.org. And the Facebook is just dfwratrescue. So before I before I do this, have you ever had any escapes? I'm guessing they're talking about rats. Oh yep. I actually had someone adopt a rat from me when I was living in my old house and the rat got loose in the street. They were taking it out by their car, jumped out of the cars. They were chasing it down the street. That was fun. Now that they're in their shed, um, it's a lot easier to contain them. But yes, I've, I've chased rats probably more times than I'd care to admit. You know, though, surprisingly in like knock on wood, I'm sure this is going to happen next surrender we get or, or adoption or whatever. But since we've moved out to the country, I've had this fear of one of them hopping out and running across into like the, the neighboring field. And that has never happened. We haven't had one escape in the yard. Yeah, I don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to knock on wood for you right now. I'm not even sure that's air. Yes, yeah, thank, thank you. Here. Thank you. <laughs> um, we we kind of hit it around this earlier because your parents didn't let you, but why? I mean, cause you could do cats or dogs, but why rats? So I, um, I got my first rats when I got my first apartment and I couldn't afford to pay the like $500 pet deposit. Otherwise I would have gotten a dog and I ended up getting a couple rescue dogs after that. But with rats, I mean, you just, you need a cage. And my uh, landlord was like, yeah, as long as it's a caged animal, it's fine. It's not going to tear up the carpet. It's not going to, you know, destroy the, the walls or anything like that. Um, And I had always, read about how rats were super friendly and they just make good pets. And I've kind of always been into like weird animals. Like I've got a big tarantula collection and I like, I don't know, kind of animals that get a, have a bad rap, you know, I don't know. They're, they're misunderstood. So I think rats, everyone's like, ew, gross, disgusting. How could you possibly have them as a pet? And to me, that makes me like them more. I think that was one of the main reasons I decided to get my first rats. And after that, I was just hooked. They're just the sweetest things. I, I tell people, think of rats as small cats. Oh, because yeah. You, you, you sure. can litter train them, and they spend a lot of time cleaning themselves. So, Yeah, yeah they're very clean. They actually are. Which always surprises people, but, you know. Okay. Shifting yeah. Gears brought to you by evergreenpodcast.com. Shifting Gears brought to you by evergreenpodcast.com. Now, I mentioned this off the top, that you're a teacher. Why aren't you a vet or something else? (laughs) So actually I need to 
update my uh, bio on the website. Did I, I get old information? Sure anymore. Uh oh. Huh? Okay. That, I, no, I got old information. That's that it. Like I, My production assistant's fired too. No. <laughs> <laughs> totally my fault. Actually, this is pretty new. Um, in the last few months, I'm I'm now a health safety environment coordinator at a like chemical manufacturing plant, so I get to still do some teaching and training and stuff, but way more relaxed and way less. I can uh, see that. Issues. I, I could I see I could I see the health and chemicals <laughs> versus classroom teacher being more relaxed. I am so confused. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a chance, there's a chance that we explode every day, but um, yeah. it's still better than being in the classroom yeah. in Texas. Well, um, I'm not going to argue there. But right. <laughs> yeah. So I actually did work at a couple of vet clinics um, after college, and I thought that I did want to do that. But the problem that I ran into was owners who didn't want to or couldn't provide care for their pets. So I would either go into a rescue vet position where I would be working long hours, stressed out and not getting paid very much, or working at a vet clinic where I had to charge more than I was comfortable charging to have you know people take care of their pets. So... I think I have enough veterinary knowledge to um, take care of you know the, the animals that we do have and the rats, of course. And I've got a lovely pharmacy with you know medication. I've got several vets that I work with that you know help me out, prescribe meds, or you know will see my rats for surgeries and things like that. But it just I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do veterinary work. Too much. You sound like there. you sound like me. No, it's just enough to be dangerous on it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so I got to dive, but I got to take one more whack at this because it's fun. But what made you decide to be a teacher, though? I mean, there's other things. I mean, there's a noble cause here. I'm getting to, I guess, because you love animals. You, you obviously love kids to a degree. Not to a degree. Come on now, son. <laughs> <laughs> to a point. <laughs> to a point. You know, where they're little bastards and all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I better uh, shut up and let you answer this question. Well, you know where I'm going. So, you had, it's, yeah. it's, go ahead. I'm showing up. So, I, I kind of want to do everything. Um, in college, I actually majored in film. So, I, and I took, like tons of French and spent a summer in France and went back to, Fr I mean, I've done a bunch of different things here and there. And I feel like being a teacher was one of those things where it was like, man, I can be creative. I can be challenged. I can help people. I can, um, you know, I can use all of my sort of ADD superpowers to, you know, make a difference in the world. And it was, perfect. Like I, I still think teaching is, you know, one of the best jobs you can have. It's amazing. It's so much fun and so rewarding. Um, I just needed a, I needed a break. It's, I know. it's just I, getting like rough I said, out there. <laughs> I'm not arguing that at all. Um, I understand that completely. It just fascinates me though. Okay. So God, I hate to ask you this question. This is normally about that time in the show where I, I start asking my guests what's next. But I'm scared to ask you that because you're probably going to get a bison or I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we're, I think the next thing is planning our wedding. We won't bring any more animals onto the farm. Not going to be starting any more businesses or nonprofits or anything. She bought a greenhouse at the end of last season that we haven't been able to really use yet so that's probably the next big oh thing. yes <laughs> my garden my plants um but rescue wise i think i i'm i don't know this is this is big picture stuff i would really love to put together a nationwide network of um fosters, adopters, people that need to surrender. Because my problem that I'm running into now is I have people from all over the country reaching out to me um, to help with their rats. And I think like Louisiana, Kentucky, 
um, Oklahoma. I've had people travel to bring their rats to me, but I know that there are people locally that would be more than happy to help out or take them. Whether I mean, even if it's not a big official rescue, there's still people out there in the community willing to help. So I think my next project will probably be trying to put something together like that. Which is an intensive project. Cause I was thinking, Oh, it's simple. You just create a website and, you know, add people, but then you have to, if you're putting your name on those people, Oh God, I've been here, done that. And anyways, don't do what I'm telling you to do. I guess is what I'm saying. Um, cause once you put your name on it and co-sign for these people, you expect them to have a certain level of quality and often they don't. <laughs> Exactly. And that's kind of, that stopped me um, before. And also I, I very much want to be able to financially support it. Um, one of my favorite programs, this is when I lived in Austin was the PASS program. It's a positive alternative to shelter surrender, P-A-S-S. And it's basically if you need to get rid of your rat or if, pet, I guess, for any reason that I could help with, I'd rather help you keep it than take it from you. So I, you know, have paid for people to take their rats to the vet or they'll bring them to me and I'll either work with them if they're aggressive, I'll socialize them. If they aren't getting along with their cage mates, I'll help integrate them. If they need any kind of medical help that I can provide, I'll help with that or send them to my vet and pay for that. Um, and if I had this foster network, I'd still want to be able to maintain some of that. I don't want to just tell people to pass their rats off to a stranger without knowing that person, without having a, a vet nearby that could, you know, help with any of those issues. So it, it is a big project and, you know, probably not going to be happening anytime soon, but I think it would help a lot of people. So maybe we'll put the call out to uh, help you. Maybe this is where I'll get involved. See, this is where I'll be. I'll be slick and be like, you need uh, community managers for this. Again, see, I'm good yeah. with words yeah. here for different states and different areas. So if, you, if you're interested, yeah. yeah. Pre-vet yourself. Mid, mid, director operations Midwest branch. Yeah. <laughs> and then let people break it up into different areas so that, you know, because I hate to tell you, but we've got 50 of these states plus other places around the world. I'm looking at people from Canada tonight who are interested now. So that's a big well, that's a big nothing. They should just stay to moose. No, I'm just kidding. Or geese. <laughs> um, oh, the hate mail's coming to me on that one. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think I mean, there's a lot of great work, and there's a lot of great people out there doing it. And of course, like you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of people out there who are, um, I think I said a little bastards earlier, so we'll go back to that reference. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> keep circling that around um so how how should people say you're in a community and you're interested in in getting a rat how how would we be advised to know we're getting a um high quality rat from a high quality place so i think you have a few options um i would definitely seek out a rescue first if there is one nearby i don't know of many, but I do know of a few. Um, Facebook groups are great because there are people from all over who will post in there that they need to rehome their rats. And we've got great people who have set up like trains to transport them long distances if, if that's what you need. Um, now, when you say high quality rat, to me, I'm thinking like, okay, so healthy, friendly. Yeah. Not um, not but, the uh, kind that has the fur eyes we were talking about before the show. So uh, you can get a very healthy, friendly rat from a feeder bin at a you know feed store that's selling them, you know, for snake food. I've had uh, just like a dog from the shelter. They can be you know, the best pets you've ever had. I don't want to you know deter anyone from going and picking up a feeder bin rat. The only problem is that. A lot of times those end up being pregnant or misgendered and then you end up with a male and a female and now you've got, you know, 30 rats. <laughs> so I would say if you're picking out some new rats, get two rats from the same litter, make sure they're the same sex and you make sure that I call it the rat phone. You pick the rat up and you 
put their chest up to your ear and make sure you don't hear any crackling noises because I think respiratory problems are probably one of the biggest issues that we deal with. And a lot of people that are breeding rats will keep them in um, tubs or bins. There's not a whole lot of ventilation. So respiratory problems are pretty prevalent if you're you know, buying from a breeder, from someone who's breeding for uh, snake food. But um, I'd say just, you know, handle the rat and see if they're sweet and friendly. But, you know, at the same time, I've had some that are very skittish and they just need some time to warm up. You know, just like a dog, they say, give them six weeks in a new environment, handle them as often as you can. Sometimes people say, I just wanted to let them, you know, settle in at home. But I say, take them out, hold them, make sure they associate you with being safe, getting lots of treats, and then they'll start being, you know, more and more friendly. But yeah, I, I don't think, you know, where you get them is not really important because, you know, I've, like I said, seen feeder bin rats that are wonderful pets, and I've seen high-quality breeder rats that are just horrendously aggressive. So it kind of depends on the rat. I, I'm sitting here wondering, I'm trying to figure out why that would be, why they'd be so hyper or super aggressive. Sometimes it's genetic. Um, with a lot of those rats that are bred for um, size, they'll breed them bigger. And that's usually like associated either with more like testosterone in the males and the males get super aggressive towards each other. Or when they're breeding, they're looking at more of the um, genetic, like the features, and they're not really concerned as much with the temperament. Kind of just depends. And there's, you know, this this thing in breeding where you're not really supposed to handle them when they're younger so that you can see their true personality when they're older, but then they'll sell those rats off that have never been handled before. So, I mean, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not an expert on breeding at all by any means, but um, from the breeders I've talked to and from the stories I've heard, it can, there's a whole range spectrum of, of things that can come up when you're breeding rats. Well, thankfully for me, you you're, more, do, you're more of an expert than me. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> I said what you really want to do is find a cute little rescue like ours where the rats get a lot of attention and you can get the best one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Come all the way to Texas to get your rats from me only. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. You've, probably, you've probably got a couple dozen right now, so we don't oh, wait. Uh, yeah, at least. At cool. least. You have no so idea how many you have right now, do you? Oh, no, they come in and out and I, I have, I'd have to consult the spreadsheet. <laughs> so it's somewhere around like 45 or 50 though, I think right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Now I've, I'll be remiss if I don't ask about this because I'm curious now. Talk to me about the pigs. I know they're not what we're here for, but you mentioned having them and now yes. they've been right all around my head for the last 45 minutes. So, um, so we have, we have registered Cooney Cooney pigs. So they're Polynesian. Um, they're the smallest pig breed. And to me, they're like puppies. When we moved out here, we decided to get a little bit of everything um, and kind of see what we liked and what we didn't like. We ended up getting rid of all of our goats and our two pigs have now turned into 25 pigs because they're just the best I, mean, well, I was going to say the best well, animals, but I, you know, for well, them, to be fair to the rats, they're pretty great too. Well, wait, wait. Was this a plan two from 25 or was this a, no, 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 they're a, honey, a honeymoon suite went wrong? <laughs> We've acquired some, some other pigs oh, and then we also had okay. babies. Okay. So. Yeah. You know, we, and we have sold a few pigs here and there and, you know. Um, That's the plan. We have a, a cute litter of piglets if anyone's in DFW and wants some registered Cooney Cooney piglets. Yeah. And that's neat. The Cooney Coonies are like, uh, they're the pig from Moana is like a Cooney Cooney. So they have the little waddles on the side of their face and little bitty upturned snouts. And they're like uh, registered so you can trace the genetics back to like the original 16 or 18 that were in New Zealand when they tried to like, they, when they went, oh man, there's like these pigs are about to go extinct. We need to like bring this line back. So it's kind of neat. I'm still back. If you want to see pictures of them, we are uh, Wesner Family Farm on Instagram. Lots yeah. of cute pictures of piglets. So you said you got rid of the goats. What other animals aren't you 
interested in him. Throwing some under the bus. <laughs> oh, Mary, yeah, right. <laughs> Mary wants every animal that's ever existed. Um, but... We're probably not going to get horses. I had a horse growing up, and they... I was going to say you can't milk them, but technically you can. I'm not going to milk a horse. horse. <laughs> they don't lay eggs. You're not going to eat them. Wait, They're pretty useless. <laughs> pretty useless animals. They're fun, and I love them, but... On the farm, everything has to have a purpose. Even the rabbits, you know, we'll, we'll tractor them around in the yard and they'll fertilize the ground and the chickens will come and scratch it around. Like everyone's got a job. So probably won't get a horse. No, we have a tractor instead of a horse. <laughs> well, I'm sure the horse is glad to hear that you have a tractor at least. Uh I, I, can't, I can't really see us ever getting, like, a cow. They're also no. a little large. <laughs> I want cows. Mary wants cows. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, like, a little mini cow someday or something. But, you know. A mini cow? I'm not sure you're aware of how big cows are. Oh, no, I know. <laughs> oh, I'm aware. Ford is a city boy, so he's slowly adjusting to... Life this country, farm, yeah. This country life. <laughs> I, I was going to say... Maybe I could ever go back. Well, that, that's that's positive, I think. You've yeah. converted them. I'm not sure if that's... I miss, uh, like, restaurants being out in the country, but that's about it. That's the only <laughs> thing that, that we're lacking in. Unless you like Subway. Yeah. You yeah. do have a Subway. <laughs> that's a positive, at least. I mean, there's something there. Yeah. <laughs> They've got that new menu. Oh, God. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> We do not endorse Subway. <laughs> Unless they want to write us a big fat check, and then we'll, we'll obviously. Uh, then then we do. This will look like a Subway. scene from Happy Gilmore here in a second. <laughs> fresh. Subway all day. <laughs> um, so besides maintaining, and you mentioned kind of putting a network together, what other goals do you have for the, the rescue? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think down the road it would be really really cool to have a building this would probably require me to quit my job so maybe if i won the lottery um because i do have tons of people who on a whim want to stop by they want to see who who we have available or i've gotten lots of people who want to volunteer and i feel like the way that i have it set up now is for me to be in charge you know, the shed is on my property and um, easily maintainable by me and, and by Ford and, you know, the few fosters that I do have. But if I were to expand, which I think I, I mean, I, I know that I would have enough rats because I have people reaching out every single day who need to surrender. But without having a building and like a facility, it's kind of tough to coordinate some of those Everything is dependent on my schedule. And since I'm working a full-time job and we've got the farm, it's, you know, sometimes we're doing rat, rat rescue appointments at nine, 10 o'clock at night. Um, so, it, you know, it's good to be flexible because it's at the house, but down the road, it'd be really awesome to be able to have my, my own place. See, maybe that's what you need to uh, get the greenhouse going and then you could do the roadside vegetables and rats. Yes, oh, man. and then ratatouille. Just, <laughs> yeah. The rat yeah, I mean, use the vegetables, the food, have a food truck. Oh yes, yeah. See, from we've, our we've, bus. We've got it all solved right now. Well, there you go. Yes. <laughs> go, go make big things happen, though. Yeah, it's all coming together. This actually, like, pretty much, this is what our daily conversations sound like. It's pretty much just like this. <laughs> that was the goal to kind of uh, get to get the mission out and get people uh, interested in talking about things that we may not necessarily pay attention to in our daily lives, right? I mean, I pay a little attention to rats, but there's a whole, I don't want to say underground community of pet lovers, but most people think dogs, cats, right? Oh, yeah. I have tons of people who say they had no idea that a rat rescue was even a thing. And, you know, when you're searching online for rats, you're looking for rat breeder or Petco or PetSmart or, you know, feeder rat or something like that nobody's googling rat rescue because it's just not you know not really a thing and you think of like snakes and reptiles and stuff as kind of like niche like sort of alternative 
weird pets, but like they have big expos and stuff, and there's not even like rat expos. So the rat community really is real tight knit and like friendly and mostly positive, you know? Yeah. 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 I was going to say, I was at a reptile expo two weekends ago, and there were over, well, it wasn't while I was there, but through the door was over a thousand people. And I was surprised. I mean, this was a fair sized room in a, a convention center. With vendors yeah. everywhere yeah, you can stick them. Yeah, yeah, they're a lot of fun. Um, but also, we've talked about before how, uh, and I don't remember why we think that this is the case, but it seems like the UK is like ten years ahead of us as far as like rat ownership. Oh, that's, and, that, like, my wife tells me it all the time. She sends me pictures of things that if we lived in the UK, she could buy. Well, for yeah, yeah. Like, yep. it blows my so, mind. So like it's coming, you know, it's coming here, and it's way more accepted over there to. Um, have rats, which blows my mind. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. take much I to think, blow I mean, my mind. More and more people are, are, you know, figuring out how great they are, trying them out. And, and I, like I said, the, the social aspect of it, the size aspect of it, as you pointed out, having them in an apartment. Um, so. Yep. Every time I tell somebody, every time I meet someone new, it's like, all right, how, what do I want to disclose here? Because as soon as I say, you know, if I say I have pet rats, it's like, oh, my God. And I say I have a rat rescue. They're like, that's a joke, right? You mean <laughs> you go outside and you catch rats and then you sell them to people? Like, no, absolutely not. You know, and that's something that we never mentioned that comes up a lot is like uh, people will find wild rats and try to surrender them sometimes or like. Uh, a university's experiments ending in this this like grad student you know feels bad that they're going to youth the rats so they try and like surrender them to us um, but typically we don't try you know I mean and it's not all like an all the time thing but like a lab rat or a wild rat especially like they're just not pet rats so they don't they're not really for the surrender the surrender is not for those rats it's a rescue I mean sorry yeah <laughs> Well, the surrender, surrendering them. <laughs> yeah, he almost got there. That's okay. We'll forgive him this once. No, but uh, try telling people you have a paranormal podcast at times. Yeah. You talk about UFOs and all sorts of other fun things. Um, that'll get them going, too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, so I want to ask you the um, infamous fa- final question around here, because I'm going to let you guys out a little bit early so I can make the bridge for the paranormal people who may or not may still be listening. Hopefully they are. Um, but I have this final question I ask. I've been asking it for the last four or five months now. I'll give you each the floor, so you've got to be ready. I'm not sure who I'm asking to first, but here we go. What's your favorite breakfast? I think we're both going to say this. Well, no, nope. actually, your, nope. your no, answer is... I'll, no, you're not going to say the same thing, because I'm going to make you say something different. All right, well, mine is just bacon and eggs. I mean, you can't go wrong. And I think that would have been Mary's answer up until about a month ago when she tried. Hey, let me answer. All right. <laughs> okay. So I just tried for the first time spam. Uh-oh. Wow. For the first time? For the first time. Wow. And apparently I really like it. So spam and eggs. A slice of spam and some fried eggs is my favorite breakfast now. Every morning. And, and the originator weird. of that question wants me to ask, what's a rat's favorite breakfast? Mini pancakes. That's a great question. They're the bag of food that I get always has like dust and crumbs in the bottom. So I'll take that and mix it with like pancake batter and make little tiny pancakes for them. And I could see them sitting there in his little hands. Nibble, nibble. Yep. (laughs) Little (laughs) hands. Uh, Tell me the website one more time before I kick you guys out of here. It's dfwratrescue.org. Hey, I appreciate you for... A, giving me the opportunity and for what you do and uh, wish you all the best and uh, stay in touch and all that fun stuff. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank you. This is fun. There we go. go. So, yeah, mini pancakes. I didn't see that coming either. That's a first, too. I I don't think we've had anybody. So, rats on the board of mini pancakes. That's a first. Okay. Somebody needs to keep track of that. We need to, like, keep tracking a blog or something. Okay, 
So we've got five minutes left. Don't be running off yet. We're not done yet here, folks. I promised to draw this connection between the paranormal and a rat rescue. Because I, for years, have said I can turn anything into a paranormal topic. And here I go doing it tonight. Think about it. A lot of people in the paranormal community for years have said, if I owned this building, I would do this. If I owned this, that, or the other. Get off your ass and do something about it. There it is, folks. You can do something. You can get involved to the point of building your own community and taking over something and doing something good and raising the money to save your historic hotel, library, whatever haunted place you want to save. I'm tired of hearing people armchair quarterback and say, I would do that if I owned the building. Well, get out there and put your money where your mouth is. It's that simple. It isn't that hard. You can do it. I don't know why more people don't do it. Drives me nuts. People saying, if only, if I only had the time or had the money. Yeah, you do. You just have to, I navigate this all the time. People always say, Jim, you're so busy. How do you find time? It's called making the time for what matters. Right? Like this show. This show has been an hour on Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern for twelve, almost 12 years now. Right? The hour before, the hour after, another hour here, another hour there. They're all penciled in my schedule. Sometimes they have to move because... Kids got a doctor's appointment. The kids got to be there, wherever. But that hour, when it comes time to post the podcast, I make that hour to post that podcast, or the hour to research the guest, or the hour to book guest. It's all scheduled out. I have a list of things I have to do every day for this show to be successful. Just dealing with it, right? It's fair. It happens. Yeah, it's a long run. It's insane. Coming up on number six hundred in a few weeks. Yeah, do the math on that once a week for 12 years and you figure out how many I've missed, which isn't many. Okay, back to the bigger point, though. Phenomenal guests for the years, too, by the way. All walks of life. Anyways. Here we are. The point is, what you find important is what you put prioritize. If you want to watch that show on Netflix, fine. Watch that show on Netflix. But don't sit around and say, well, if I had more time, I would do X, Y, and Z. You have the time. You, I mean, they both work full-time jobs and have animals coming out their ears. You can do it. Just be aware, right? You just have to manage your time. That's all this is. Ugh, drives me nuts. Okay. Before I forget... We're starting now. I've talked about this before. We got one more show here in February, and then we're going to start in March with our. We're going to get a little more organized and a little more momentum back into the paranormal. We might even be a little more paranormal heavy starting next week. I haven't decided. So, be looking for it. I think March is UFO month, so we're going to definitely delve into the UFO thing. And what better time than right now to be. Well, a couple of weeks ago probably would have been a better time, but it kind of let the dust settle and let people get their opportunity to understand what was going on with all that stuff. So we'll be definitely getting into all that. And I don't know what April is because I don't have it right in front of me. But if you're, and like I said, so start telling your friends that Mallory Report is coming back full-time, paranormal, well, maybe not full-time. Anybody who's been around this show long enough to know, I say it, and then I'll always sneak one paille, and we'll be talking rats one night or whatever. We'll just sneak one in there. I'll throw a fastball at you just to make sure you're still paying attention. It just happens around here, right? It just does, and that's what people love. So, good to see everybody tonight. I think the video stayed up. It's just phenomenal. And, uh, yeah. Germantown Runner's uh, sitting at home waiting to see if I hit the post, and guess what? Just for him, I'll do it tonight. It's the Mallard Report. Yeah, the Mallard Report. Hey, I want to thank you for joining us. It's been a good show tonight. I hope you enjoyed it. Take a few moments, subscribe, share, all the fun stuff. You know how to do it. I don't have to tell you. Just uh, be ready for next week. It'll be sooner than you think.
You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes.